Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Let's start in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, listen to the way he labels himself, the prisoner of the Lord. He said, Rome don't got me in prison. God let me be here. He said, they didn't capture me and put me in chains. God put me here. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Listen to this. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. This will be our key verse here, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace. I need his grace. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness by whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We'll take our text out of verse three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And very simply, our subject this morning will be the bond of peace. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We've come to you a few times already. But God, we, we just 
lay low our hearts right now. We open it up. We open the door of our spirit. We open the door of our mind. God, we, we ask you that you enlighten the eyes of our understanding, that God, that you would speak to us this morning. There are strategies, God, that only you can give that give us success and breakthrough. And we're asking you this morning to just impart them to us today. God, help me to yield and, and set myself aside and allow you to speak through me. Instruct us in every way, God. Inspire our spirits to walk in purpose. God, we pray that your word go forth at some point as a hammer that breaks down any wall of division or anything that would impede the progress of your kingdom being advanced. God, we pray that your spirit, the same spirit that hovered over the waters in the beginning, that God, when there was darkness over the face of the deep, that that same spirit that was just waiting for your word to go forth, that as your word goes forth, it would move and begin to put life and substance and order into families and into lives and into spirits. We're asking for healing. We're asking for fulfillment. We're asking for peace. We're asking for unity. We're asking for harmony. We're asking for the strength to walk in your purpose. We're asking for you to do your work through us. We're asking that we might decrease so that you may increase. We're asking that you have your way. We say the cliche week in and week out, but God, we mean it from the depths of our soul. Have your way. Have your way. And do something in the lives of us, your people, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can you put your hands together and give God one more praise? You may be seated. New Living Translation states verse 3 like this. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together. Binding yourselves together with peace. The beautiful thing about the Bible is that it is full of codes and formulas for success and breakthrough. Some of these truths are very obvious. Some of them are hidden in Scripture. Regardless, they're there, and God plants them sequentially throughout Scripture, and the way he does it, to create curiosity, to create the, bread, the, the breadcrumb trail, as it were. That's why it's important to stay in the word, Amen. have a life that's invested in his word, because the truths for our life are found in it. Paul, I was telling Gino this morning, my impressions of Paul this week. You know, Paul the Apostles, the one that wrote this book, this book was written to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was located on the Mediterranean coast in what is now Turkey. It was a very predominant Greek city. And he had a lot of purpose in his writing. Paul had the ability to communicate with Ephesus and, and, and the Colossians and, and the Corinthians and the Romans and and even the Jews, and he was able to identify with them all and still speak the language of God so that they could hear it. He was a powerful apostle. 
in the way he delivered. And as he's writing here, we see, we see one of those mysteries. We see one of those formulas. We see one of those codes. What do you mean, Pastor Josh, by, by codes and, and formulas? What are, you, what, are, what are you talking about? So here, here's a code. Uh, um, we, we, I think we find it in Luke and in Matthew. The, you, Jesus is walking along the way, and, and you hear the man say, Son of David, have mercy on me. Remember that? And all the disciples and everybody around was telling him to be quiet, and, and, and Jesus said, no, bring him to me. What, what's the secret there? The secret there is that David knew how to tap into the mercy of God. So he didn't say son of God. He didn't say son of man. He said son of David. Have mercy on me. Because it was David that said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And he knew if he could just tap into the mercy of God, whatever he needed could be released to him. That's a secret. That's a formula. When you call out for mercy, Jesus can't walk by a cry for mercy. Stop asking for some money to pay your bills and just ask God to have mercy. It's a formula. It's a code. It's a code. What's another one? Another one would be that the blessing of the Lord is not the outpouring of finances on your life. Many times that comes with it, right? Wealth and prosperity come with it, but that's not the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord is not the outpouring of wealth and finances. The, the blessing of the Lord is found in, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 where he says, And God blessed them and said to them. So the first part of the blessing is that God speaks and we can hear. Woo, that'll preach by itself. Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. So the blessing is that he has given you all the tools you need to create a fruitful life full of multiplication and be able to walk in dominion. That's the blessing of the Lord. What's another code or, or formula? Another one would be in order to experience increase... You have to let go of what you have in your hands. Doesn't make any sense because we would figure accumulation or increase would happen on the wise of keeping what is in my hands. But that's not how the formula works with God. In order to experience increase, you have to let go of what's in your hands. Why do we say this? Because Malachi chapter 1 says, if it, or chapter 3 says, if we come into the covenant of tithes with him, he'll open up the windows of heaven. That's more than just him pouring out finances into our life. The windows of heaven give us ideas and creative genius to be able to write codes that make things happen and, and new, new inventions that bring in wealth and change societies. That's open windows and pour out blessings more ability to create increase that there's not room enough to receive it. Matthew 6, 38, give and it shall be. 
Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, we see Jesus talking about it. You know, one was given one, one was given three, one was given five. And when the master came back, he added to the one with five because he invested it and made it grow. And then he added to the one that had three because he invested it and made it grow. But the one that held on to the one and hid it so that it wouldn't be lost, he didn't take any chances with what God gave him. And God said, I got to take that from you. Because in order to experience increase, you got to let go of what's in your hands. All I'm doing right now is showing you examples of how there are different formulas and codes that are written into Scripture that give us the opportunity to experience breakthrough and success. Many times we walk through this life and we deal with what we deal with. And in the day and age that we live in, man, do we have to deal with some crazy stuff. We're dealing with crazy stuff. And we deal with it and we're asking God why. And he's not answering and we don't understand why he's not answering. And the answer is right in front of us. He's given us what we need. He's waiting for us to walk in it. Walk through it. Live it. Engage it. Some solutions you can't find until you work the equation. Some solutions you can't find unless you work the equation. And from when I was in school, if you didn't work the equation and you somehow came up with the solution, that probably meant you were cheating. It took a little bit of study. It took a little bit of repetition. It took a little bit of grinding. It took a little bit of counting. You had to work your way through it until you came to the solution. The fulfillment of coming to that solution and coming to it consistently brought a lot of joy, but more than that, it brought understanding. So when you had to deal with that problem again, it was no problem for you. Formulas and codes, formulas and codes. Acts 20 and verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I'll leave all that alone. So in Ephesians 4, we see one of these formulas given to us. And Paul, like I was saying, he's real masterful in his writing. And so as he's writing, this is one of the only books that he doesn't address, uh, or one of the only letters he wrote, that he doesn't address people individually. He's actually speaking to the church corporately as he's speaking to them. If you read the introduction of Ephesians 1, you'll see that. So what he's saying, many believe that his intention was for this to be seen throughout the entire church of Ephesus, not just one person. There's even an assumption that he may never have even been to this church in Ephesus. But the reason he's writing is because they have a lot of influence. The reason he's writing is because it's growing. The reason he's writing is because he sees the work of the kingdom of God advancing, and he wants to make sure that it is growing and being nurtured and coming into the fullness of what it should be the right way. So it's really interesting. So in this letter, primarily, he's writing it to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Gentiles are the non-Jewish people. And in this time, that was important to differentiate. Bear with the history lesson, but I'm going somewhere with this, and you'll find understanding from it in just a minute. Gentiles were the non-Jewish people, and they were condescended to by the Jews. As a matter of fact, they were looked down upon, even the Jewish Christians were looked down upon the Gentile Christians like they were second-class citizens. Well, the majority of the Christian people in Ephesus were Gentiles. 
And so he's writing to this group, and he's writing to them both. He's doing it to instruct the Jews and the Gentiles that they've been brought together. Somebody say that word together. In one body in Christ. He did this because this congregation had a natural propensity to individualism. This congregation or this group of people had a natural narcissistic mentality. Where are you going, Pastor Josh? The Greeks, by the way, were the ones that introduced and invented narcissism. It was through the myths, Narciss, right? He, He fell in love with his reflection. I know some people like that. They just in love. They can't get out the mirror. And I'm not even talking about a physical mirror. I'm just talking about every time I talk to them, all they're talking about is themselves and who likes them and who loves them and who wants to be on their team and why they know the best people. and why they, Do you know anybody like this? Those of you who are saying, no, you might be that person. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the reason I bring this up and the reason there's so much relevance to this is because this is the generation and culture we live in right now. It's all about me. It's all about I. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, please, please don't, nobody take offense to this. I'm not condescending to any of the worship we've done today or any other day. Our worship music is superb. It's awesome. But if you read the lyrics, it's I. It's I. Thank you for me. Pull me out. Pick me up. I didn't make it. Where's the we in all that? It's a very selfish, narcissistic uh, 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 attraction that, that, that it seems to be pervading the culture nowadays. How many followers can I get? How many likes can I get? And we hear that, that all the time, but it's the truth. It, it's the truth. We just want to get something up there so somebody can see it, so somebody can double tap it. It's a very selfish game. So, so this group of people, they were always looking, and that's just the natural tendency of the Greeks, were to, were to see, how can I get smarter? How can I get the edge? How can I gain more control? How can I gain more authority? How can I gain more power? How can I be more prominent? How can I have more money? This is the, the natural tendency of, of, of the Greeks, and it was pervasive in this church. So as he's writing, he, he, and, and by the way, you'll see this further along in history as you go way past this time, the church at Ephesus became one that was focused on power and control and and that's all it was about and you'll see the evidence of what was in them and them not heeding the instruction of Paul in the in this letter because they eventually landed in that same spot what was more important to them was that than embracing service and sacrifice and love which are the base principles of our Christian faith not getting many amens And the reason for this is because, for whatever reason, well, I think I can tell you that reason, but give me a minute and we'll get there. One of the things that was lit into us is this three-letter word called ego. Ego. Ego's a dangerous thing. Ego's a dangerous thing. Ego will trick you into believing that your need is more important than my need. Ego will trick you into believing that your need is more important than our need. Ego will make a man do some stupid things. Ego will make a man get on a horse and act like they know how to ride it, ain't never rode a horse before. 
because they wanted to fit in and talk about how well they ride a horse only to ride down the arena and get bucked off. That'll hurt you. Ego, and this is a true story, what I'm about to tell you. Ego will make a man wear a motorcycle vest that has even uh, motorcycle club patches on it and everything. Talking about how much he loves riding motorcycles and it's been his whole life and he's been even in a club and this, that, and the other. Ego will make a man perpetuate that story and then when asked, hey, I have an extra bike, you want to go for a ride today? Say yes. Get on the bike. This man ain't never rode a bike in his life. I don't know if you know anything about Harley Davidsons, but they're not cheap. I'll never forget this. I think I was a teenager. And Pastor Rick, this guy, was coming to our church and whatever, and, and he talking up big game. Pastor Rick had an extra Harley. He's like, hey, let's go for a ride. So this guy gets on the motorcycle in Pastor Rick's driveway. It's Pastor Rick's motorcycle. Rides out the street, and there's woods across the street. Rode right through the woods. Just... It was a miracle that that man didn't get hurt. And thank God Pastor Rick was in shirt. <laughs> that guy got up and said, I've never ridden a motorcycle before in my life. Ego will make people do really stupid things. Ego will dismiss gratitude because you think you deserve it. Ego will separate lifelong relationships because you're more committed to being right. Ego will keep you chasing a fantasy and forsake purpose altogether. Ego will make your political opinion priority over your Christian duty. Ego will prohibit you from serving because you feel like you should be served. Man, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Ego will keep you from submitting to spiritual authority because you don't need no man over your life. Ego will convince you that you know everything and you already need to know, so why do I need to learn anything else? As a matter of fact, listen to me because I know exactly what I'm talking about, and if you don't think so, just ask me. Ego will limit you and what you are willing and who you are willing to learn from. I learned from my son this week in a very deep and profound way. And if I wasn't careful, I could have let my ego get control of that moment. Ego will condescend when God gives you an opportunity to bless. Ego and pride are the root of division. Matthew 12, 25, a house divided cannot stand. House divided cannot stand. Why am I talking about ego? And so because there's a truth. Here's, I'm going to kind of try to stay away from my notes because I don't want to be too long and, and I'm only toward the beginning and this is a powerful truth in this word. So Lucifer is cast out of heaven. Why? Ego. You can read about it yourself in Isaiah 17 and in Ezekiel, you can find it. He had so much splendor and beauty, he thought he could rise to a throne above the Lord. Who is Lucifer? Lucifer is our enemy, Satan, whatever you want to name him, the devil. The dude that was on the Grammys last week, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. You can edit that out so I don't get nothing. 
Oh. But he is very, very strategic. So when he approaches man, the first thing he appeals to is his ego. So let's, let's leave that right there for a minute, okay? God creates man. Genesis 1.26. And he said, let us start over. And God said, let us. So already we're finding a secret. God is not just one. Let's say it better. He's not alone. He's one, but he's not alone. He said, let us. So we know God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he said, let us make man in our image. And, and in our image, he created them. So we already see a little secret coming out that God wants it to be a together thing. Even when he references himself, it's not me, it's us. So he says, let us make him in. So when the devil comes, he comes and speaks to the ego. God knows if you eat it, you'll be like him individual you will be like him and he appeals to the ego and that is why that root is in us that is why we have that propensity towards ego that is why we have that propensity towards selfish or or a very individualistic viewpoint or worldview the church is in danger by adopting an individualist worldview the beautiful thing about the revival happening in Ashbury, is that how you say that city's name? Asbury? It's over there. Is that there ain't no names associated with it. It's just people worshiping God. And because of it, his presence is doing a thing. I don't care what you think about it. It's getting God glory, and that's all I care about. So when we allow ego to take over, it creates separation. Separation from each other and separation from God. Ego promotes self. Humility prefers others. Ego promotes individualism. Humility is the foundation of a successful team. So when Paul is addressing Ephesus, his focus is the body of Christ, not the individual of Christ. And so throughout the entire book, I encourage you to read it in six chapters. You can read it at one sitting. You'll see the powerful words of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, giving us secrets to ultimate success. Not only success, forget success, just enjoying the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So watch this. He says, and I'm going to skip this, but I want you guys to go home and study it for yourself. So walk worthy. 
In order to walk worthy, you got to walk in all lowliness. In order to walk worthy, you got to walk in all meekness. In order to walk worthy, you got to have long suffering, something nobody has anymore. We're ready to cut everybody off right now. Forbearing one another in love. Nobody wants to carry nobody. You're worried about your own burden. You're worried about your own burden. You don't want to help nobody with their cross. Well, let me help you with it. Jesus didn't even carry his own cross. He needed some help himself. Hmm. So let's jump ahead. Let's jump ahead. Let's jump ahead. Let's jump ahead. So Paul encourages us, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Peace here is not tranquility. That's not what we're referring to here. It's about togetherness, harmony, security. If you look it up in the Greek, that's what it means. As I said a minute ago, humility is the foundation of unity. Nobody wants to go there anymore. Nobody wants to prefer others over themselves anymore. Nobody wants to take the risk. Nobody trusts it. We were talking about this earlier. Nobody trusts anybody anymore. And then we use this. The Bible never tells us to trust each other, just tells us to trust God. Right? We use that. Here's the truth. You can't live your life without trusting folks. You're going to need some folks to trust. That might be an inner circle, and amen, it should be. But you're going to have to put some trust in somebody. Humility is the foundation. Here's the principle. We need each other. We need each other. God wasn't alone. He doesn't expect us to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. But man was already walking with the presence of God in the cool of the day. So man wasn't alone, right? But God still said it is not good for man to be alone. We got to make a help meet for him. So be careful when you hear them folks saying, I don't need church and I don't need nobody. I got my own walk with the Lord because Adam had his own walk with the Lord and God said it is not good. That's good. It is not good. Even Jesus, when he was having his last supper, what do we call that? Communion. Common union. Common union. And one of the biggest keys of this scripture is that real deep part where it talks about how he ascended and descended and ascended and descended and all that. And it gets real confusing in his language. What he was basically saying is Jesus humbled himself. And that's what gave us the ability to do it ourselves. And he opened up that opportunity. That's why when we have communion, he says, remember me. Get all the pieces and remember them. Put them back together. When you take this, you're taking the body of Christ and you're becoming all at once the body broken for you. So this is the bond of peace. That's what the bond of peace is. And, and Paul is real descriptive. He says, I want you to keep it. I want you to keep it. It's the same language he used with Adam and Eve when he put them in the garden. And he said, I need you to keep this garden. Tend it and keep it. It means to guard it, to care for it. How do I care for it? How do I guard it? How do I guard this unity of the spirit? First of all, you got to understand, it's not the unity of the soul. It's not the unity of the mind. It's not the unity of the body. It's the unity of the spirit. The Father is seeking those who will worship him in 
spirit and truth. The spirit is going to be sanctified. The spirit is going to be edified. The spirit is going to be strong. The spirit is strong when the flesh is weak. So it's all about that. Well, how do I keep and guard something when I know my, my mind is all messed up? I, got all the, I know how broken I am right here. I know how broken I am right here. I know how much I don't like that guy down the road right over there. I know how much I disagree with the Democrat across the room. I know how much I disagree with the Republican that sits on the front row. I know how much I disagree with this, that, and the other. How am I supposed to keep the unity of the faith when I'm sitting in a room with people that don't think and live like me? Because it's not about your soul. It's not about your body. It's about the Spirit of God. And that's what you keep. And how do you keep that? I'm sorry, but there's two very simple ways to keep the unity of the spirit. And you know what? They're so simple that we take it for granted. Number one is prayer. What happened to prayer? What happened to people praying? You know what prayer is? Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is when you take out, uh, you take the time to just spend with him. How much prayer time are you actually spending in your life? I want to ask you that and just leave it there. Or are you just saying the bedtime prayers and laying it down? Or are you actually spending time with God? Because when you're spending time with God, God's heart naturally imports into yours. And it's easy to love people. It's easy to be with people because you see you see purpose in them the same way he sees it in you and you realize I have to connect with that I love what the commercial on the Super Bowl said Jesus loves the ones we hate and that's the truth when you spend time with him you become like him doesn't our Bible say where two or three are gathered Jesus said it in my name there I am in the midst he didn't say where you kneel down and pray, I'm right in the midst. He said, no, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. We need to get back to prayer. We need to get back to prayer. Isn't it, uh, was it first or second Chronicles? If my people will humble themselves and pray. And look, he didn't say if my person he didn't say that. He didn't say, if my woman, my man. He said, if my people would humble themselves and pray. Why? Because when you're going this way, when we're pointed this way, we can't help but all be headed to the same mark. That's why Isaiah said that all nations shall flow unto the house of the Lord. It's established in the top of the mountains. So no matter where we're coming from, what valley, what town, what village, when we flow toward the house of the Lord, we can't help but go the same direction. My house shall be called a house of the other way you keep the, the unity of the spirit, the other way you guard it, it's through your praise. It's through your praise. God inhabits the praises of who? Of who? His people. He inhabits the praises of his people. We can't even 
shut down our ego long enough to say, God, I thank you for waking me up this morning, for putting breath in my lungs, for letting me get in whatever vehicle I got in to get to this house, just to be in your house. I don't care what song they sing. I don't care what word he preaches. I'm going to worship you no matter what, because you deserve my praise. I ain't going to let no rock cry out in my place. When God is talking about himself and his people, he says, I will be your God and you will be my people, not your person, my people. When he looks at the body of Christ, when he looks at the bride of Christ, it is a body. That body is made up of many members, every member in particular, but they are still one body. They are still one body. They are still one body. When God looks at you, he's looking at a part of his bride. You are not his bride by yourself, baby. You are not that special. That's why I need you. That's why I need you and you need me and we need each other because we can't be the bride of Christ unless we're together here. That's why Paul, as he gets down in this scripture, he says it's like joints. It's like joints that supply. It's like joints that they're compacted by joints that supply. They supply one another. They give each other. Look at your name and say, I got the supplies. I got this. I'm, I'm like Sam's Club, baby. I got supplies. I got supplies. I'm like Home Depot. I got the supplies. I got the supplies. Why? Because he gave you something I don't have. I need you, Everett. I need you in my life, sir. If I didn't have you, I wouldn't have every gift that God planted in you. I need you. I need you, Paul. I need you in my life. I need your stability. I need your encouragement. I need you in my life. Joe, I need you in my life. I need the encouragement you send. Brad, I need your smile every week. Miss Leslie, I need your consistency. Alan, I need you. I need you. I could walk down this I need you. I need you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I need you. I need you. Look at you. That was a hater. Look at the other neighbor and tell him, I need you. I need you. I need you. Because every joint supplies. Every joint brings strength. Every joint brings stability. Every joint brings flexibility. Every joint allows the body to function. The bond of faith, the bond of peace. It literally means the ligaments, the bond of peace, the ligaments. The problem is we can't get past the differences to get to the peace. We can't see the difference. And here's the, here's the shame of it. The body of Christ really needs an adjustment. They need a chiropractor really bad. We really do. Because you know what? We really, 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 not like we heard last uh, decade, but right now, are on the precipice of seeing God do some amazing thing. But I can promise you, He'll keep waiting until everybody is ready. Because we have to shed the ego of the church. The church ain't a brand, that's not what the church is. 
That's not what the church is. The church ain't, that's why you can't afford to miss church. That's why you need to be in the house of the Lord because there's things that only happen when the people of God gather together. That's... I was glad when they... I was glad when they said, let us. Because <laughs> you know what made me glad about it? Because it wasn't about me no more. And it wasn't about them no more. It was about us. What we're about to get into, we're going to get into together, baby. We, we might go through some stuff, but we're going to go through it together, baby. We might, we might find some stuff, but we're going, to, we're going to find it together. And you know what? Together, we might feel some stuff. We might experience some stuff. There might be some, the devils run up out of dodge, but we're going to run them out together. There might be some healing that takes place, but we're going to experience it together. The bond of peace. Somebody say the bond. The bond of peace. The bond of peace. And that's why we must endeavor, endeavor. We must work. We must strain. We must care. We must put thought into. That's the other part. And, and I'm going to leave this right here and get away from it. Is we, we take things for granted. And so we don't put thought into stuff. We, we want Google to think for us. And so we're used to not thinking. You know? And, and to endeavor to keep it, you have to think about that. You have to purpose it. You have to care to do it. To endeavor to keep it, it means it takes some work. It takes some work. Your healing depends on your togetherness. Your deliverance depends on your togetherness. Somebody's destiny is depending on your obedience. Your breakthrough depends on it. If, I, if that wasn't true, then why were they all in one place in one accord and then the Holy Spirit hit? Why did he tell them to go and wait for the promise? He wanted them to go and wait until they were all together. Together. To gather. To gather. You're together when you're in the, pro when you already accomplished the gather part. To gather together. It's where we get that word from. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some are. I'm going to close here. So Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they're walking, and they're going to the temple. And along the way, there's a lame man, and he's at a gate. The gate's called Beautiful. The gate was the gate to the house of God, the temple. And the reason the man was outside the gate is because in that time, the Jewish law said that lame people can't go inside the gate. I know a lot of people that want to keep some lame folk out of the church. They can't get out of the bar on Saturday night. You want to keep them out of church. They can't lay off that drug. You want to keep them out of church. They got foul language. You want to keep them out of church. They don't dress like you like. You want to keep them out of church. They don't believe like you believe. You want to keep them out of church. They believe in abortion. You want to keep them out of church. They, they doesn't matter what. Do you know God loves them anyway? So watch, watch, watch. They're on the outside. He's on the outside. And here's the key. It didn't matter what the mess 
that was happening with the temple and the exclusion that was happening with the temple and the, 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 the condescension that was happening at the temple. None of that mattered to Peter and John. They just knew it was the hour of prayer and they needed to be at the temple because they weren't going to violate God's principles just because stuff wasn't going the way they think they should go because it had nothing to do with their relationship with the Lord. And they did it the way Jesus told them to do it. They were going up to the temple together. And because they were going together, alms I can't give you. But what we have, we can. And that man went leaping and running and rejoicing and praising. And many were saved because they knew who he was and because together they made a difference. The bond of peace. Building and believing are great. We want to build a house, a church, that is a safe place. This year is the year of the presence of the Lord. If we want to experience God with us, we better start getting together. Why do you think small groups are so important? Not because they're cheesy. Not because they're Bible studies. So we can spend some time together and get connected because where two or three are gathered I'm in the midst and when God gets in the midst oh my God anything can happen how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity it's like the oil that's poured on Aaron's head. It's like the anointing that is released because when the brothers get together in unity, God's power is released to the body and it flows down even to the hem of his garment. And you know the best part is at the end and right there in that place, there is a commanded blessing. Everybody's looking for their blessing. Everybody's looking for their blessing. Everybody's looking for their blessing. When you get together, your blessing can't help but find you because God already commanded it. He already put a command on that blessing. That blessing is waiting at the starting line, just watching you, waiting. It's, it's trembling. It can't wait. It's like that horse in the box. The, the horses, we, they can't wait till that steer runs out the chute so they can go. They're just trembling. They, they can't wait. And that's the blessing of God waiting on you to, to look at your brother and say, I forgive you. I forgive you for offending me. I can look past the hurt because you're, you're my brother and sister in Christ, so I forgive you. I forgive you because Christ first forgave me. That's why I can forgive you. I can look past your, your, your sins. I can look past that because I know Jesus loves you. I can love you too. Doesn't mean I have to put a stamp on what you sin. It doesn't mean I have to endorse it. Doesn't mean that. I love you. I don't even have to give that, that little, that little uh, 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 exclusion there. I don't have to give that little, uh, just make sure you guys know that even though I don't endorse your sin, I still love you. I don't even have to say that. I can just say I love you because I really do. It's in my heart. I really love you because I know that God loves you. And I've been spending time with him. 
I've been spending time with him and I know how much he loves me and if he loves me like that he's got to love you like that and I need you in my life because I God didn't create me in his image he created us in his image and when we can all get together we can manifest his likeness we can manifest his likeness that's why we got to be in the bonds in the bonds in the bonds of peace so that we can experience the creativity the power and the presence of God because it's that power and that presence that makes a difference your healing is found in the house why not just because God is here and because it's called the church because of the body of Christ is in this place can somebody give God praise this morning